0: I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times because of his overwhelming, never ending, reckless love towards me. I thank you today for your presence and being here to my partner, Pastor Noah. And to my family, who are all here today, I got my amen section. I have my amen section normally, but I really got my amen section today. It's the first time that all of us are together in, well, many years, many years. So I'm very excited and very grateful that our God has seen fit to bring us back together again in a positive reunion and occasion. We're not here to bury nobody. And so, since we ain't here to bury nobody, ain't nobody gonna sit up here looking like we just had prune juice for breakfast. We all gonna look excited and we all gonna be ready to worship and praise. Am I right about it? We all gonna give it our best to Him. I'm also thankful to have my colleague and partner in the track world with me as usual, none other than Miss Yamaka Bracy and her family. And I have former athletes with me. Well, they're not really former. They're moving on, but they'll always be my athletes. Lily will always be my athlete. Jalen, you'll always be my athlete. And I'm thankful for them as they prepare to head on to college and do bigger, better, things there. Our theme for this series has been talking about the love of God, and we illustrate that with this sponge. If this sponge represents you or me, and this picture here is that overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And you see, if I would do this some justice, I'd have some other hands, and I'd have somebody holding this picture that would constantly be filled up. And my family recognized this, uh, this reference, Kowloon. It was a Chinese restaurant down in Portage where no matter what happened, you always had water. Even if you turned the cup over, the waiter would come, flip it back over, and pour water in your cup. That's how the love of God is. It's the Kowloon love in terms of that. And when he gets on, you have no choice. But, as you said, to just drip Jesus and drip the love onto everybody else. And so keep that imagery in mind as we go forward and talk about this Today, would you do me a favor and look at somebody and tell them, act like, or they say, act like you've got some home training. Yeah, act like you've got some home training. I <laughs> you know, it's wasn't always easy for me to be a Morgan, because especially me being the fourth of four, I didn't really have an identity till I got older. I was always Astrid's little brother, Desmond's little brother, Dee's little brother. I was Reverend Morgan's son. I was Sister Morgan's son didn't become Adriel Seville until much later in my life. And that's difficult, because I had to be the little brother of an all-state running back, defensive back. And yet, when I went to play football, well, it didn't turn out the best. I had to be the little brother of folk that made the West Porter's Little League All-Star team, and yet, yeah, that didn't go the best, and, and, and it was difficult sometimes being a morgan because when everybody else down the street and around the corner, when, when, when school let out and it was summer, got to go out and play. If you were a morgan, you didn't get to go out and play until you finished your math workbook problems yes we had homework during the summer (laughs) because we were morgans we had a certain expectation that was placed upon us and it was difficult i remember the one time i'm about to shock somebody that actually got suspended from school Mm -hmm. and the principal who had principled all four of us looked at me and said i know how the Morgans are, I know the Morgan family values, and that's not what you are doing right now. It was difficult to be a Morgan. It was a name that that, that carried with it some expectations and some standards that sometimes, I'm not going to lie to you, I thought to myself, why do I have to be born a Morgan? Why couldn't I just be, you know, into any of my friends' last names who can do these things and get away with it, and they don't get grounded? They get an A-minus. They don't get grounded? I get an A-minus. I get grounded for two weeks because I'm a Morgan. Why'd I have to be a—but I'm blessed to be a Morgan, and and, and, and while I bask in, in that, I, I want to Bring to your attention a couple questions that make you kind of think about that as well. Am I going the right direction? Thank you, Alan. How did your family's reputation affect you growing up? Did you have a Morgan experience like me, where you were the youngest and you had to live up to what was done by your eldest, uh, uh, older siblings, and or or the standards that were placed upon you by your parents? I also want you to think, what does being a child of God mean for your sense of value and identity? Go ahead and talk amongst yourselves. I'll give you a few minutes. We'll be back together to read the Word of God. Oh, praise the Lord, everybody. Make a joyful noise in this place. Yes, we've come to hear the Word of God, and that's exactly what we are going to do. We are going to hear the Word of God. Of God right now, and this is why we came. I love seeing everybody, but this is really why we came, to get a word from the Lord. Am I right? Oh, don't sit quiet on me now. Am I right about it? Yes, yes, yes. And so our word today is coming from 1st John. That's where our series has been dealing with the book of 1st John. And so 1st John will begin in the second chapter. The 28th verse, and we'll take it through the 3rd chapter and the 10th verse. Again, that's 1 John, the 2nd chapter, the 28th verse, and we'll take it through the 3rd chapter and the 10th verse. I will read from the amplified version. I like that version because it really tells you what the original Greek text was trying to convey to us. We'll read that together after this brief prayer of understanding. Gracious Father, Whose love knows no limits, whose wisdom knows no bounds, whose peace excels all understanding. You who love and help us beyond measure, help us to love you. Though we cannot fully do so because of your infinite good- goodness, increase and deepen our understanding so that we may love you more and more through Jesus, who is the Christ, our Lord. Amen. First John, the second chapter in the 28th verse, in the Amplified Version, Now little children, believers, dear ones, remain in Him with unwavering faith, so that when He appears at His return, we may have perfect confidence and not be ashamed and shrink away from Him at His coming. If you know that he is absolutely righteous, you know for certain that everyone who practices righteousness, doing what is right and conforming to God's will, has been born of him. See what an incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us, that we would be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God exclamation point. And so we are, exclamation point. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, we are even here and now children of God, and it is not yet made clear what we will be after his coming. We know that when he comes and is revealed, we will, as his children, be like him, because we will see him just as he is in all his glory. And everyone who has this hope confidently placed in him purifies himself just as he is pure, holy, undefiled, and guiltless. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness, ignoring God's law by action or neglect or by tolerating wrongdoing being unrestrained by His commands and His will. You know that He appeared in visible form as a man in order to take away sins. And in Him there is absolutely no sin, for He has neither the sin nature, nor has He committed sin or acts worthy of blame. No one who abides in Him, who remains united in fellowship with Him, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. No one who habitually sins has seen him or known him. Little children, believers, dear ones, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who practices righteousness, the one who strives to live a consistently honorable life in private as well as in public, and to conform to God's precepts is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin, separating himself from God and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference, or rebellion, is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from him, not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil." No one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin because God's seed, His principle of life, the essence of His righteous character remains permanently in Him who is born again, who is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for His purpose. And He who is born again cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin, because he is born of God and longs to please him. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are clearly identified. Anyone who does not practice righteousness, who does not seek God's will in thought, action, and purpose is not of God, nor is the one who does not unselfishly love his believing brother. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. When you think of the best of something, you think about the quality of it. Quality doesn't just happen. There are steps that need to be taken in order to arrive at quality, this is why our beloved Tigers, Lions, and Pistons are rebuilding in pursuit of quality. How do you arrive at quality? Well, when my all star siblings were learning to pitch, Daddy had this wooden crate. I don't know where he got this crate, but it was a wooden crate and this bowling pin that my brother had was given when he had a birthday party at the bowling alley. And daddy put this bowling pin on top of this wooden crate and he told my brother and my sister throw the ball at the bowling pin. And so they were out in the backyard and they had to throw the ball at the bowling pin, consistently throw the ball at the bowling pin and knock the bowling pin down. So he would tell them to keep doing it. We had to have quantity, the amount of times that they would throw the ball at the bowling pin and it would actually begin to hit the bowling pin. There was consistency in them hitting what would be the strike zone. So as they hit the strike zone, that was the quality of their pitch and as the quality of their pitch improved it brought them confidence that they were able to pitch well john says to this first century church audience that's going through some struggles and are in danger of falling away he he says we need we have confidence and that confidence comes from The the quantity, the consistency, and the quality. I can see John reading the shepherd's psalm and thinking about the quantity that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I can see him reading Jeremiah thinking about the consistency that morning by morning new mercies do I see. I can see him looking back over his life, realizing those things and saying, we have confidence in the quality of God's blessings. Now understand, it's not quality because it's bigger and better. God's blessings are not quality because they are blingier. I'd never be confident in him if I waited for a major accomplishment. I'd never be confident in him if I waited for wealth, not in the professions that I have. But the old saints had it right when they would praise him for just a portion of my health and my strength. I may not still be able to jump 25 feet, but I praise him because I have activity of my limbs. I can do a little something. Does anybody know that if you can do a little, God can take a little and turn it into a lot? Yes, you realize that everything God does is quality not necessarily because of the size or of the cost, but because he is quality. Uh, check it out. We have two restaurants here in Grand Rapids. One of them is called Ruth's Chris, and the other is called Brands. Now they both serve steak. Steak comes from the same animal. It comes from the cow. And I guarantee you that they probably get their steak from the same farm, from the same cow. So why is it then that when I go to Ruth's Chris, I got to pay more money? I got to pay more money not because the steak is different, but because the person who gave it to me is different. So, when I go to Ruth Chris, I owe more money because of the person who serves it to me and the reputation that is associated with that restaurant. I know it might taste a little different, but at the end of the day, steak is still steak. And it's a quality steak just because Ruth Chris has said it's a quality steak. Our God is completely holy, other. And just like In N Out Burger, He's quality that you can taste. This is why the psalmist says, Oh, taste and see. That the Lord is good. He is the quality God. His protection is quality. His refuge is quality. His instruction is quality. His grace is quality. His deliverance is quality. His mercy is quality. His covenant loyalty is quality. His power is quality. His provision is quality. His restoration is quality. And that is why we owe him a quality quality praise because he is the quality God. We've got a quality God. Find me another God who can calm a raging sea just with his voice. Find me a God who can break the tree trunks of the cedars of Lebanon just with his voice. Find me another God who can make the storm blow over with three little words, peace, peace, be still. Find me another God who can give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, make the lame to walk, raise the dead, make the dumb to talk. That's a quality God. He's quality. He's the quality mathematician. He can take two fish and five loaves of bread and feed over 15,000. He's the quality chemist. He can turn water into wine. He's the quality linguist. He'll change the way you talk. He's the quality coach. He'll show you how to run and not be weary, how to walk and not faint. He's the quality physicist. I know Newton said that what goes up must come down, but he got it twisted. God said what goes down has got to come up, and that's quality. John says, I want you to be aware of the quality. The Greek word that he uses, the way it's translated in the text is see. But I'm here to tell you that see is not strong enough for that translation. See, the Greek word idete means more than just take in with your eyes. No, no, no. John says, what I'm about to drop off in your spirit, I'm going to need for you to do more than just glance at it. I'm going to need for you to let it marinate I'm a need for you to let it get down deep in the depths of your soul. So what is so important, John? John said, I need you to marinate and fixate down deep in your soul the incredible quality of love that our Father has given to you. It's quality love because it's from the quality giver, and it's quality because it has qualities. One such quality is unconditionality. John says, pay attention. And understand that we're not children of God because we call ourselves children of God. We're children of God because he wants us to be his children. He chose us. We're children of God by his grace. John says, take it in and marinate on the fact that we would be permitted to be named and called and counted children of God. Are you not aware that there are children out there who don't get the love of being their daddy's child? It's children out here who only know half of themselves, do not have a last name, do not have ancestry, don't know their health history, don't know their background, do not have their full identity. The Bible calls a fatherless child an orphan, so they do not have an inheritance. Many of us can relate to the pride that we have in our families and our names. Despite what I said earlier, I love being a Morgan. I'm proud that my family has been trailblazers in the education industry, that we've established ourselves as sound doctrinal preachers of the word, that we've coached countless uh, champions and championship teams at many levels. I'm proud to, that I'm permitted a- 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 to be named, called, and counted a Morgan. But John reminds us that God lets us claim the same DNA as God. He he, he lets us claim the same DNA as the one who made the sun to rule the day and the moon to rule the night. He goes on to say that the world didn't know him. So when they come at us sideways talking about my daddy gave me gold, we can remind them, well, it's my daddy that made the mountains, whence you mine your little piddly gold. Let them say, oh, yeah, well, my daddy gave me all the money. And then remind them, but it was my daddy who created the tree that produced the paper that was processed to make your money. Wrong answer, Slim. Try it again. And then they come back and say, all right, well, my daddy made me, gave me fame and power. Well, can I borrow you, Daniel? Daniel says, my daddy knows all, does all. He changes the seasons and guides history. He raises up kings and also brings them down. Do you remember when Pharaoh got jazzy with Moses and said, your daddy don't even have a name? Your God doesn't even have a name, but I'm here to tell you that we have been given a quality name. I mean, we've been given a name whereby men and women must be saved, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is God. That's a quality name that when I can't get to sleep at night and I just say Jesus and I can rock myself to sleep, when I cannot seem to get over my sickness, And I say, Jesus, and I plead the blood of Jesus, Jesus for my family, Jesus in the streets, Jesus, and everything is going to be all right. That's a quality, God. You ought to thank him right now that being a child of God isn't based on what we do and what we don't do. There's no prenup. There's no quid pro quo. It's a quality, unconditional love. His love is unconditional. Also, His love is sacrificial. We live in a world whose idea of love is, what are you going to do for me? That's not God's love. God's love is, what can I do for you? What can I give you? How about I leave streets paved with gold? gates of pearl, being serenaded by angels to come down to the earth and spend the first days of my life in a farm animal's feeding trough, grow up to be lied on, cheated, talked about, and mistreated. How about uh, I let my haters rip off my clothes and sell them to the highest bidder? How about I let them whip me with a cat of nine tails, each braid ripping out chunks of my flesh? How about I lay down my very life for you in the most excruciating form of torture that you can... Imagine, on a cross, Paul says in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the depth of the cross." You got to love somebody to give up that kind of power. I'm reminded of Samantha on the show Bewitched and how she can make anything happen just by twinkling her nose. But she said, I love you, Darren. And for that reason, she gave up her power. She said, I won't rob you, not of things, but I'm not going to rob you of me. And God says the same thing. It's one thing for me to not rob you of stuff and material possessions. But the real robbery, God says, is if I just set up a far off being all power, powerful and never come down to see about you. Never taking the time to listen when you pray. Never caring when you can't do nothing but cry. And he said, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to do all that for you and sacrifice for you. Not because you chose me, but because I chose you. And since I'm doing it because I chose you, that's that unconditional. Even though, love, even though you doing too much, even though you occupying with your own agenda, even though you chasing vanity and wealth, and not the things of my kingdom. Even though you won't even praise me, I still got love for you. Imagine the robbery, Paul reminds us. And now here's John saying, pay close attention to this quality of his love. Unconditional, sacrificial, and what's more, it's everlasting. I'm going on my 10th year of teaching, mostly freshmen. And while many fads have come and gone. I've seen Daniel in the white vans. I've seen the floss dance. I've seen the bottle flipping. I've seen the fidget spinners. And now, Lord had mercy, we got the Tic Tac going on. One thing has been constant, and that is the fickleness of a freshman relationship. On Monday, they're writing their initials next to each other in a heart on the assignment that they turn in. And when they turn in that assignment on Wednesday, two of those initials done changed. Just like that, he went from being your bae to your by. And see, I build relationships with my students so they, and it's usually the girls, come up to me and tell me what's going on. I'll ask them what happened, and I say, you seem so happy. And there'll be something like, senor, he left me unread for a whole hour. Come on, son. He left you unread for an hour? Now, we not, I'm not going to ask us to reflect on how often we leave God unread. I'm not going to do that. All I know is we better be ever so grateful that he doesn't drop us like a bad habit behind it. Because come back here, Paul. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that I have confidence, he says that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, family, pay attention to the unending love. Our God's love can be so unending. Only God's love is so unending that it is from everlasting to everlasting. His love is so crazy and peculiarly unending that it transcends tenses. This is why he says before Abraham was imperfect, I am present. That's why he says I am with you always, even to the end of the world. This is why he says I'm Alpha and Omega. Aleph, Fatah. Love, beginning and the ending. Wherever you go, you're going to bump into my love, even in hell. What? Yes. in the psalmist says in one hundred and thirty-nine. if I make my bed in the depths of hell, you are there. Friends will leave you. Family will disown you. But you better praise God that his love ain't going nowhere. That no matter where I go, I'm going to bump into his love. Whenever I got problems, I'm still going to bump into his love. When everybody leaves me, I'm going to bump into his love. Yes, it's that quality, never-ending love. But tell you something else, when I teach my students certain expressions, I repeat them over and over again. And I use gestures, and, and then I write them down on the board because I want them to rehearse those words, those expressions. I want them to meditate, to study, to learn what it means in context. I want them to be able to use those expressions freely and naturally when they are faced with the call to have to use the language so that they'll be able to recall it and use what they got from me. Can I tell you that whenever it is that a New Testament writer hits us with that Greek word, idete, it's because it's a big deal. Is because they're about to drop some as-a-consequence instructions. You see, when you edit it takes time and energy. You can't just act. You can't just react. You can't just overreact. That's why they want you to it so that you will act like you've got some home training. Uh, I remember when I was young, and I acted up. Yes, a couple of times, Mama and Daddy would say, "I taught you better than that," because their reasonable expectation was that when I would go someplace, that I would act like I had some home training, not because I wanted to earn something, and not even necessarily out of fear of getting a whipping. But I taught you better than that means. It means think long and hard about the love that mama and daddy have shown. Think long and hard that you ain't never gone to bed hungry, that you ain't never had a hard surface to lay your head on. Think long and hard about when you fell off your bike and scraped your knee and they were right there to put the ointment on it and bandage it and kiss you and send you on your merry way. When you let it marinate, it's going to make you think twice before you do certain things. The ability to edit before you act is an innate human trait. See, my rabbit, Beeman, cannot edit. I can't tell him, Beeman, think about everything I've done for you. How you run around the house freely and not in a cage like other rabbits. How you have unlimited hay and more toys than the law even allows. Think about that before you chew on my Wi-Fi cord, Beeman. See, Beeman isn't wired like that. But when God fashioned man out of clay, he breathed Neshema or wisdom-giving spirit, into him. And that's why no matter how long and hard you train a pet, at the end of the day, it's still going to be a pet. It's still gonna act like an animal, but you and I are not God's pets. John calls us beloved little children. We are rational, logical beings. We can think and we can process. I believe Walter Hawkins understood this when he wrote the words: "When I think about the hour, then I know what I must do. When I think." about what God has done for me then I will open up my heart to everyone I see and say Jesus Christ is the way. That's right Bishop Hawkins. It's time for us to edit. and after we take that time to edit, we must change the way we walk. We must change the way we talk. Once I edit places I used to do used to go. I won't go no more. Things I used to do I won't do no more. Words I used to say I won't say no more. But instead I'm going to act like I've got some home training. I'm going to act right not for sake of the law but I'm going to act right for the sake of the love. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down. fights till I'm fine and leaves the 99 and I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it but still you give yourself away oh the overwhelming never-ending reckless love of God for the sake of love, we got to act like we've got some home training. For the sake of love, we got to support the way that Jesus supports. For the sake of love, we got to lift up like Jesus lifts up. For the sake of love, we got to forgive like Jesus forgives. For the sake of love, got to be patient and long-suffering like Jesus is. For the sake of love, got to be gentle in our correction like Jesus is gentle in His For the sake of love, we got to walk circumspectly in the world. For the sake of love, we got to be just in our dealings. For the sake of love, we got to be faithful in our engagements. For the sake of love, got to be exemplary in our deportment. For the sake of love, it's time to edit so we can avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger. To be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation and mindful of the rules of our Savior to secure it without delay. You see, that's home training because when Jesus was being whipped and when Jesus was being talked about, he never said a mumbling word. He showed us how to do this thing. He came down 40 and two generations and became a man to demonstrate what it was supposed to be like when you are talked about and mistreated Treated. And so now when I just process in my mind what's going on, then I'm going to act like I've got some home training for the sake of love. Not because of our reputation, but for the sake of love. Because we are children of God. And because we are children of God, that means that we know who you are, Father. And because of who you are, we give you glory. Because of who you are. We give you praise because of who you are. We lift up our hands and say we worship you just because of who you are. Because you're my provider. Because you're my healer. Because you're my way maker. Because you're my will in the middle of the wheel. Because you are my everlasting father. Because you're my prince of peace. Because you're my wonderful counselor. I worship you just for who you are. I gotta tell you that because I'm Ira's son, I do some things just like Ira. Can I tell you that our God is the God who sings and shouts. Come on, Zephaniah. He tells us that God rejoices over you in singing. And then the psalmist says he rose and descended with a shout. So if my father is a singer and a shout uh, how I'm going to come in his house uh, and not sing and shout uh, you ought to lift up uh, your name in the name of Jesus uh, lift up your hands uh, in the sanctuary and bless uh, oh bless his holy name uh, act like uh, you got some old training when you're in his house uh, give glory uh, give honor uh, oh, praise his holy name I gotta act like we got some home training in the way that we treat each other. Remember the beatitudes. Remember how he treated the sick. He didn't avoid them. He went to be with them. He spent the time with them. Remember how he did his business. You see, if you have a problem acting like you have home training, that's why I'm glad I have two of my athletes here because my athletes know that their form falls apart when they're not at practice. My athletes know that their form falls apart when they haven't done the reps. This is why John says, abide in him that means stay with him as my athletes would stay at practice as they would continue to do the reps and you understand when i'm too busy abiding in him i ain't got time to talk about you for i will bless the lord at all time his praise shall continually be in my my, mind praise is on my lips i ain't got time to care about what you doing i got six months to mind my own business and six months to leave yours alone I'm going to act like I've got home training. And you see, this is exemplified that we are children of God. When he met with his disciples before he was being delivered to the Roman soldiers, before he was betrayed, he had a last dinner with them. And he said, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said to them, take, eat. This is my body. It represents my body broken for you. He said, eat it as you are eating on this. Think about what this means so that you'll act like you have some home training. And he took the cup. And he also, before they drank from it, said, this represents my, the New Testament in my blood. So drink from it. And as you eat it, think about that New Testament and that new covenant and how you show that you are, in fact, a child of God. You're going to go out and act like you have some home training.